under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Tonight, what we're going to do is kind of a spin, a twist, something derivative of a classic album battle. Well, it's a bit of a series, though. You know, yeah. It's a piece of a series. And joining me to do this is uh, Dave Mowry. And we are going to talk about my favorite subject. The Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. I would just, I mean, truly. Well, let's, let's start there. When did you become a big Stones fan? So, strangely, it was, like, way late. It was uh, actually after both... All the albums that we're talking about came out, and uh, I remember talking to my sister about uh, hearing "Miss You" on the radio, and mm. I didn't—I didn't know it was the Stones. And I was like, you know, what's that song? And uh, she's like, oh, it's the Stones. And uh, my birthday was coming up, and so she mailed me the the CD for Some Girls, and I heard that, and I was like, whoa, like so, because like a lot of their albums, and we're going to talk about this. That song is sort of out of step with the overall sound. Right. And so I was like, whoa, there's a, there's a lot of good songs on that. And then I had a couple friends in college that were like really big Stones fans. And they were like, oh, you know, oh, you like the Stones? Like, okay. And I mean, it's it, strangely enough, the first memory that I ever have is uh, there was a show called, it's not China Beach, it's the, there, there were two competing shows in the 80s about Vietnam mm-hmm. and one of them had Paint It Black as the uh, as the theme song and I was like yo what is that and that was the Rolling Stones you know but I always kind of knew them as like cheesy you know right I'm like just old enough to where like they were their heyday was a little bit younger than I was and they had terrible videos and Mick wore football pants. <laughs> right. And the, you know, and 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 that's actually part of the cool dichotomy of, of the band is that Mick was always chasing the the new thing and Keith and and eventually Ronnie were like, No, 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 let's like keep it grounded in the blues and rock and roll. Um so I mean, really like, you know, it was like later college, but I mean I like I really like went through a lot of people know me as a big dead fan and I am. But, like, really, I'm a big Stones fan. I well, mean, they're just, like, the. It, it, in my opinion, I'm so I'm raising my arm way up here. And, like, in my opinion, the pantheon of rock and roll is the Rolling Stones. And then literally everybody else, including Bob Jill, Dylan or Jimi Hendrix or whoever you got, is under them. Like, nothing that they made is as good as, like, the best thing the Stones Where do you put the Beatles up against them? Eh. And I love the Beatles. Right. But they're not the Stones, and it's not the same sort of but blues rock. Well, and roll and it's as like the I mean, the difference is like uh, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it's later. You know, um, the difference is that the Stones are sex, and the Beatles are math. 
enough. You know, or so, you know, something like yes. that. You know, like the, the, the stones appeal to somewhere and the beetles appear to your brain. Right, the gut as opposed to yeah, the... Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that. And now, for me, like, I listened to the... I mean, the stuff that put them on the map. And they are... They could craft such a good, short rock song back then. Yes. And whereas, as they got older, in my opinion, the stuff... And this is the stuff I personally like. I'm not a huge Stones fan. I'll admit right. that up front. I'm... That's for me. That's more like Prince and Zeppelin and stuff. I I've done those deep dives. Like yeah. you can ask me anything about Prince, I'll tell you. So I, I understand finding a band and then slowly but like surely being a, like a weird nerd about it. Yes, exactly. I get that, but I haven't done that with the Stones. I, I know their catalog fairly well, and one of the albums we're talking about tonight, I love in particular the B side of Tattoo You. I and it's because I'm a sucker for like the sort of the slower ballady stuff, right? Um, Which is interesting because that's not what they're known for, right? Um, and, and I know I, like Brown Sugar. I know right. like yeah, yeah. And, and, I, I mean, ma- and frankly, they're mainly known more for the ti- or the 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 first track on Tattoo You, which is Start Me Up, Ugh. Stadium Anthem. Yeah, but like yeah, but listen, yeah, but listen to that. It's uh, so terrible, but it's also so amazing. Well, it, it's just not my Their, favorite thing. It, it actually makes me think of not the Start Me Up video. It makes me think of the David Bowie Mick Jagger dancing in the streets video. <laughs> the actual worst thing that's ever happened right. in the universe. <laughs> like, if the universe is infinite and infinite things could happen, that's the actual, like, uh, you, I mean, it's the pinnacle of terrible. Right. Exactly. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, we could do a whole show on that. We could dissect the entire video. It's so terrible. <laughs> we should do that one. I actually, that version of that song made me hate Dancing in the Streets so much. I can't even listen to the Martha and Vandellas version. But it's come I, back I, I, as a... Uh, and, and, and the dead cover it. And, like, uh, and I hate it. Because of that because iteration of, that. of it. Yeah, it's okay. It's just so... I mean, but it's in internet like meme dumb now. Oh, of it's course, it's incredible. Oh, of course. <laughs> like yeah, I, mean, I mean, Rick there, Rowling's one thing. There's things we can't say on air about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it gets a little intense. Where well, and that's a, so. But that's the thing, right? Is because you're like a you know you're like ten years younger than me, right? And so the Stones are just less relevant to your life. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, if you were you know uh, if you were like twelve in 1964. The Stones have been a part of your life forever, and they've always put out an album that, like, dominated the culture. Um, even all the albums... Strangely enough, even all the albums that we're going to talk about, uh, even though every one of these is sort of a comeback album. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting... They have always had a comeback album, um, starting with Some Girls was in 77. Or 77, so, yeah, 77 78. 78. Yeah, um, they had a little bit of a lull, you know, they had about a five-year thing, and then and then Some Girls comes out, which was great and very well-recepted, and then they kind of, they went to Emotional Rescue, which was not well-received, but the funny thing is, Emotional Rescue is a lot like both of these albums that we're going to talk about. They had a, uh, the, the single was kind of out of step with what the album sounded like, but it's in step with what popular music sounded like. Right. Because Mick, Mick chases the, you know, the thing, and, uh, Holy crap! I mean, Emotional Rescue—the the entire album is almost a punk rock album. I don't think I've actually listened to the entire album. I—I I mean, I, we we talked about this, you know, the other week when we when we concepted this show. But like, I I ride for every Stones album, and so like I could tell you like the three the, the like especially there's like three good songs on every album they've ever made, like and three good to great songs. 
Right, and it's I don't know, maybe out of the, they came they come out of the '60s era. Where did they ever put together in your mind one album that is like a truly brilliant every oh, song flow? Oh, they, oh, they have they they have a they have a four album uh, uh, you know flow that, that they put together, and it's uh, Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, okay, which stands up to literally. And I mean, if they had just made those albums, they would be. You, you know, they'd still be in the pantheon. Well, they're still the world's greatest rock and roll band, but they would be, you know, but people would not think of them as old and geriatric now. There wouldn't right. be Stone's jokes. They'd be like Nirvana, you know? Right. And, and there is something to be said about hanging it up at the right yeah. time, so, dying like, too like, young. Like, like, like Neil Young said, you know, better to burn out than fade away. Well, I think about like Jimi Hendrix, and I'm like, he died at the right age. Can There's, you imagine a 70 year old Jimmy still out there jamming? Be cool. Well, but it, might take right. away from the or, legacy, right? Or Kurt? Yeah, Kurt Cobain, absolutely. I don't. I, I have a theory that no one would have disappointed his fans more than Kurt. Yes, I agree. Like, so Kurt would be like fifty now, you know. And and so one of the albums that we're going to talk about is Voodoo Lounge, which came out the same year or or right after um, the second or the the, the follow up to Nevermind. Um, oh, uh, Heart Shaped Box is on yeah. that. Whatever you know. I mean, can you imagine? Like a worse, you know, dichotomy than, <laughs> you know, we got a Nirvana album, we got a Pearl Jam album, we got a Soundgarden, we got a, you know, same year that a Super Unknown came out, right? And uh, and now we got Voodoo Lounge. So Tattoo You is 1981. 81. And it's, all, Emotional Rescue was a hit and the album sold well, but it's not that great of an album. It was, yeah. And uh, so Tattoo You is this compilation of a lot of things from the, a lot of outtakes and jams. So the weird the thing about the Stones is, is that all their albums are hits. Like, I mean, they could, just, right. I mean, they could release them, you know, tuning and they're going to sell a million albums because they're the Rolling Stones. But uh, Emotional Rescue was a, it was a hit, was a bit of a flop. It was like after some girls because people thought that some girls was like a return to form. They're a rock band, and they come up, and, and emotional rescue like the the they had emotional rescue dance part one, and then the um, the B side of dance part one is dance part two. And it's, it's essentially Mick singing in falsetto and trying to be um, you know trying to be a, a a a disco band. But then every other song almost is like punk rock. It's like you know okay. it, it, it's real fast. It's four four. Um, but it's really funny because it was kind of a flop. And so then, but this is the thing, they owed their, uh, I, I think the story is, they didn't owe their record company, but they had agreed to tour for like 81, 82. And so they had to come out with something. Right, and, they didn't have time to make a new album. And it was a thing where Mick and Keith were like, so th that's the other thing, Mick and Keith are always mad at each other. They're, <laughs> yeah. They're, can I say bitchy? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah they're always bitchy. And, uh, so, so this is this is like one of the very first times that it really creeped into them making the album, and they had to go on tour in '81. And this is actually so. There, here's a funny story: is that the the Tattoo U tour was the first tour that was corporate sponsored. Oh, really? Jovan Musk. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Jovan Musk. It's like a. Oh my God, that's amazing and hilarious. I just, I'm a, amazed that word Musk was actually in a brand it, 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 it's name. Like, it's like a cologne thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm, and I mean, Old Spices I think survived through right, the years, but right. yeah, it's, yeah. There, there were a bunch of them that you could always buy at like CVS or whatever. So it was and, the uh, Tattoo You tour brought to you by Jovan Musk. Musk. Yeah, <laughs> and there, I so I, I talked to about what we're doing to a friend of mine and. Uh, 
and he was like, "Yeah, you know." And we were talking about that you like tattoo you, and yeah, and which is not a sign of bad taste. But we were talking about you know, start me up, and I said, "Yeah, it start me up sounds like a song written for people who like Jovan Musk." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like man, we need the Jovan. Listen, mm. if we're gonna pack out the Philly crowd, no, yeah. and as they listen to it, they put on a little too much. Like <laughs> you're hitting not just the armpits, the, but, all the arms. You know, but the thing the is. Can you imagine buying this album on the strength to start me up and then getting Hangfire? Hangfire's uh, fantastic. And, and so it's 81, so like you have so you have to like it's a record. There's no comeback this. Comeback this haven't even, you know, maybe there's a cassette, but you like you kinda have to like you have to go through it. And uh yeah, you get Hangfire Slave, Little TNA. I mean like and then the flip side is even crazier. Yes. Because it's all ballads. It's one of my favorites. I love, I actually own this on vinyl, and I will wear out the B-side of Tattoo You. It's just one of my favorite classic albums. At this point, I guess it's a classic. But, uh, so the yeah, Stones... Yeah, it's 1981. It's like... Yeah, at this It's point. funny because it's not classic Stones. Again, this is like one of their, like, f- this is their second comeback album. Right. And there's like four more to come. And so, and again, you were laying this out just a second ago. Uh, you, when you're talking about Voodoo Lounge and Bridges to Babylon, you're talking about the grunge era, talking about hip-hop is making oh. a big move into the pop charts. Yeah, dude, 97, like, I mean, they have uh, the Dust Brothers producing songs and looping the drums, and I mean... So, like, Tattoo You in 81 still kind of fits the scene? Because the 80s, early 80s are a weird scene. You get everything from Prince to John Mellencamp whole, to that, Boy George. You get all sorts of crap. Yeah, there's that whole theory that, like, decades aren't really decades. It's more like 95 to 2005. and you know, you, Right, yeah. And, and it's gotten, bleed into it's gotten smaller now. They do bleed um, into each other. But they definitely do. But they're very... The Rolling Stones, and there are some good songs uh, on Voodoo Lounge and Bridges of Babylon, but they're so out of place, in my opinion, with the rest with the of the 90s. Scenes. Yeah, with the 90s. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I, I remember... So, the first uh, show that I saw was a British show, and we were the youngest people there by far. I mean, it was, you know, like, n- you know, nobody there was, like, the age of me and my crowd. And yeah, but I mean whatever you know right whatever what and song? it's still sold like you said those both those albums sold really well <laughs> dude <laughs> like, uh, they're, they're, it's unreal Voodoo Lounge was their first uh, was their first UK number one I think since Emotional Rescue wow and it went to number two on the uh, on the US charts. Uh, number one was the Lion King soundtrack. <laughs> well, you're no beating that. It was, you know, Elton, you know, and the Lion King, you know. Like, we wouldn't have done yeah, we don't have, well, we have a king, but, like, you Up know. against, I think, Elton. Elton. So cool yeah, well, he, yeah, but, you know, but, hey, has Elton ever been done sticky fingers? <laughs> Sawed off. He's doing animated lion porn music and whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Can you feel the love to Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at this. Like, July, Love is Strong, you got it on the screen. Love is Strong was released July 4th, 1994. So that was like three weeks before my 17th birthday. And I thought this was a joke. Yeah. And it had Angelina Jolie in the video, like really? Oh yeah, like stalking over Manhattan, like I mean, it was a really, but it was like like a Godzilla character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she wasn't smashing, but she was like you know, wow. walking over like a like a giantess, and it just wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but the so but then the weird thing is is so we talked about this. Uh, uh, there was through and through, and what's the other one? Uh, um, 
Oh, Blinded by Rainbows. Blinded by Rainbows. This is one of the, I think, one of their, that song can go, you could place that into the 60s and so some I of the comeback albums and it would fit perfect. I don't know that I had ever actually listened to this whole album until like, you know, 10 years later. Because, I mean, even as I was like a big Stones fan, I was like, right. I didn't need to deal with the 90s Stones. Um, and a friend of mine made like a tailgate mix and it had Blinded by Rainbows on it. And I was like, what is this? Like, what's what is going? That song? And it's like, and and our, our the foundation of our friendship is literally like he came to a party at my house, and he was like, "Dude, let's put on some Rolling Stones." And I was like, "All right, well, I have all their albums from 1963 to 1989. Pick one." <laughs> and then after that, like, uh, we were immediately best friends. And he was like, "He's like, how do you not know this?" And and since then, it's just, I mean. Got to keep searching. Got to keep learning. It's unbelievable. So what I think we should do here is, because I'm a homer for Tattoo You. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And so what we could do is say... And I'm a homer for every Stones album, so just play whatever you want. What I feel like would be really good here is we'll do like a a track-to-track battle, and we'll go song by song. There are, I guess, 11 here on Tattoo You, and starting with Start Me Up. What song off Voodoo Lounge or Bridges to Babylon do you think could take down Start Me Up? And this is how we'll proceed through these 11 tracks. Uh, yeah, Let's okay. actually take them down. Can you click to the Voodoo Lounge yeah. tab? Um, um, yeah, I mean, Love is Strong is the same, and, and you got me right. But they're the same. They're the same They're the same song. Right. Like that they, and, and, and Start Me Up was sort of tacked onto the album because the uh you know the record company was like you know we need a stones rocker we need a single and I, yeah i mean and not even they need a single but they needed like a stadium anthem <laughs> and that it, 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 it thus becomes the problem and click over to bridges i'm uh, i'm as uh, a compelling radio but anybody see my baby is the same thing yes and I do like the bass line. I'll give anybody see my baby that. Well, and, I, and I'm, that that's probably the bass line from uh, uh, what do we uh, constant craving? <laughs> yes. Cause, so we have it on the screen here, and uh, Katie Lang has a uh, as a uh, credit writer's credit on anybody see my baby, and the story is famous is writer it, producer is that well, and uh, yeah, I mean she's just yeah, I mean great songwriter and all that. Um, and the story is, is that they were always worried that, like, you know, Keith would come in with something that, like, he heard, you know, because right. Keith, Keith is famous for being f- blotto constantly on, really? on everything, on what do you got? And uh, so, he, and he, they'd never confronted this before. And so, the crazy thing is that this song gets to, like, gets on the album. And I mean, it's like, it's on the end. There's, there's no going back. They press it and all that. And somebody's like, hey, that sounds just like Katie Lane Constant Craving. Right. And so they had to give her a writer's credit. Well, this can happen is nuts. unconsciously. Well, like you, uh, fa- even some people that are hailed yeah, on high, like some line from your childhood, and it's probably in Keith's What's, case, some line he heard yeah, a, right, a week or, or some two line before. he did. Yeah, right. Uh, but like things can come back to you and you think they're your own. I mean, that can happen. Well, what's the uh, the band, The Verve? Remember them? Yeah. The, um, we were only freshmen. No, that's The Verve Pipe. Okay. The Verve the, is What different. I'm talking about is the. Um, uh, it 
it's in uh, it's in Cruel Ten- Intentions. I can't think of the name of the song, but they literally stole the Bittersweet Symphony. Yes, inadvertently, that loop of that song, which is a great song, is from an Andrew Lou Oldham produced symphonic Rolling Stones album. Huh. And Alan Klein owns all their masters from the 60s, and Alan Klein was like, that's that's from something I own. And they literally had to give, they gave all their money, like, they, they made nothing off that. Like, it, it broke up the band. So they, this Bittersweet Symphony, I think everybody knows that song. Right. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. It was actually a stone song that it's was from a, rendered symphonic and yes. they, they stole it. Yes, and they didn't think about it. And like so somebody heard it and they started playing it. And yes, wow. dead serious. And they like, it was in a Nike commercial and all that. And they basically like gave up all their profit from it. Ooh, that's got a bite. No wonder that. I mean, and it, I, I mean, and like they they probably made enough money to like you know, if they handled it right, to deal with their family for generations. Well, and now I'm sitting here thinking about start me up, and <laughs> why? And because it's like it's, so it's a, just a great reminder that not everything popular is good. In fact, it's usually like. Like, I'll speak from experience in being, like, a Prince fan. Yeah, I like Purple Rain. I like Let's Go Crazy. I like Kiss. But those aren't my favorite songs as a big fan. Right. So, like, Start Me Up, it's well, a song everybody knows from the Rolling Stones. I don't the, think it's anywhere close to their greats. Well, the thing is about the Stones is they're, like, one of those bands that, like, 90% of their fans have the worst opinions of them. <laughs> you know, That's they're weird. Like, oh, you know, because they're so big. Right. And they've been... You know, 10 million sellers since the 60s. And so they're, you know, they're. It, it's weird because it, they're also like Prince, one of the few bands that is judged critically and popularly. Right. And I mean, that's like the, the Beatles are saying. I mean, but there's like not. I mean, there might be 100 bands that are like that. I mean, maybe. I mean, we could probably lower the number. But like, they're like really critically acclaimed. So like uh, popular, incredibly popular. Like Paul McCartney's a billionaire now, right? But the Beatles get all sorts of love from the critics, right? And I mean, and, and Paul gets no love from the critics because right. Paul's terrible. <laughs> um, but I mean, Voodoo Lounge actually like made the like the um, Pazin Jop the uh, from the New York, uh, the Village Voice. Yeah, it was like on their like albums of the year. Hmm. I mean, like it was. It's not that good. Well, it's okay. It, well, I, I actually there's song again. I'm more of a sucker for the ballad, so, so I like the worst. Amazing. I like the worst. I like oh Out of God. Tears. Uh, yes. I even like New Faces, but then Blinded by Rainbows is just a remarkable and through song. And through. Once again, through and through is incredible too. So like if you you know so here's the thing like if they were a SoundCloud rapper, like and they put out <laughs> the worst Out of Tears, uh, Blinded by Rainbows, and through and through like. It's a great EP. Uh, right? Yeah. You know, so we, we talked about this a little bit before we talked about doing this. And it's like, they're kind of a prisoner of the CD era because CDs are 74 minutes. Right. And so people thought you had to fill 74 minutes. And so, I mean, look at like look at this. Out of Tears was five minutes and 25 seconds. Um, Almost every song is, well, like more than half the songs are over four minutes. Um. And it's just, 
I'm kind of glad the CD medium's gone away, yeah, to be like, honest. Yeah, they're like, because here's the thing, like, Hang Fire's two minutes, 12 seconds. Right. And Hang Fire slaps. That's a great Hang song. Fire, like, punches you in the mouth with awesome. Well, and, okay. It's 220. So it's almost like we could pick can we play any, any. Can we play any of this? Uh, we, we're going to play Hang Fire going out here, and we got to hit a break soon. Because um, this is just, like... I'm ready to just dispense with Start Me Up. I don't care if you like it, if you're out there listening to us talk. I'm over Start Me Up. It's Here's the thing. Start Me Up is just like, it's a stone song. It exists, but like, when you're driving around and it comes on the radio, do you turn it up? No. But if Hang Fire comes on, you're going to turn it up. And there's like... Short and to the point. I, it, it's pretty, I, like, literally like the, how big did my smile just get? This is the essence of the stones. It's like it's base level, like so everything could beat Start Me Up, but I don't think anything on Babylon or Voodoo could. Touch this. No. Can't touch it. Can't touch the hits. So we're going to fly through the rest of these albums uh, when we come back. Yeah, we'll talk about the hits. We'll talk about the hits. i got to talk about that B-side and what you do to that B-side of Tattoo. We'll be right back, folks. It's Billy Preston on the keys here. Dude, Billy Preston is like one of the underrated like members of the Stones and the Beatles. I mean, like Billy and Ringo. I mean, like Billy Preston like fleshed out a lot of songs. That is bananas. Well, and it's we also we also. I mean, like I hate. I don't know. No, go ahead. Like I mean, we skipped over a lot of good songs. Oh yeah. I mean, so. One of my favorites on this album is Neighbors, which is the closer of that. Of the I just want to go back to this. Yes. And uh, it's literally about Keith Richards, like, getting approved by, like, the condo board of a New York City apartment and then being Keith Richards. <laughs> so he probably bought, like, a $3 million apartment. Right. I mean, we're not talking about, like, he, he's not in some squat. You know, he's not in the Chelsea Motel. He's just like, you know, he's living in like a $5 million Upper East Side apartment and he keeps vampire hours. 
and especially in the 80s and you know and it's like literally like neighbors it's about getting th- like thrown out like by his neighbors sir you need to leave what was because I've heard like the, all the jokes about Keith Richards, but do you know like what hit was his drug of choice or was it alcohol? Was it illegal? What do stuff? you got? Anything. It was a lot of anything. What do you got? But like, and there's also like waves of, but the thing was, is he was a big heroin addict. Like okay. between like mid 70s to like right after, um, from like 71 to say right after, um, some girls. And, uh, he got, it, he got busted in Canada, um, and him and his wife had enough heroin that they were like going to charge them as distributors. Wow! And there, and his lawyer was like, "Okay, I know, I know this is surprising, but it's just for them." <laughs> and then apparently, like, wow. um, Gary Trudeau was the uh, was the PM. That's uh, Justin Trudeau's dad. Okay, was his dad, yeah. and um. His the the wife was like a big Stones fan and would like go hang out with them and like pleaded for leniency and they they also had a blind fan who wrote the judge a letter and was like you know just please you know and so the judge was like yo like you have to go to rehab you have to clean up and they agreed to play a uh, a, a free concert in Canada. Wow. And that's how they get out of it. And it almost ruined. It almost broke up the band. It almost ruined the uh, the Some Girls tour. It's just, it's like you hear about the the opioid crisis these days, and to hear that he was a heroin addict and like, and that ruined a lot of people. How is he still alive? It is remarkable. So there's this thing about the Rolling Stones, the Glim- the Glimmer Twins, Mick and Keith. And it's basically that, like, they are the eye of a hurricane, or they're, like, the center of a tornado, mm-hmm. and they're fine. They're, they're, they're just who they are. It's just who's But if them. you try to keep up with them, like, Graham Parsons, dead. I mean, like, the, like the, the bodies of people who just, like, tried to hang out with the Stones and couldn't do it. Hmm. It's like a long list of, like, really good artists. It, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. They're unbelievable. But they're just the same. They just keep going, you know? It started in the 60s and the hurricanes and they And they, like, kind of don't care. They're like, yeah, whatever. Well, if you can't hang, you can't hang. <laughs> I mean, kind of, right? Like, it's unbelievable. Well, it's, I don't know. I, I think Neighbors is probably, Hang Fire's up there on side A. Then it's probably, for me, between Neighbors and Slave. Slave. Well, and Slave is its own thing. It's like a jam. Well, it's like, how long? It's 634. Right. So, like, it's six minutes, and the Stones never jam. They're not the Grateful Dead. They... Uh, it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine last week, and they're like, I went to this Drive by Truckers concert, and buddy of mine was there, and he said that, like, the thing about the Stones is there's a reason there's no Stones outtakes, is because the Stones are not a good band. They, like, don't have, like, 22 takes that you can choose between. They're awful, <laughs> and then they get it. Right. And that, those one or two takes, when they get it, it's like, whoa. I was reading about that today, that that's their process. They will, like, start me up. They will play start me up and that those chords for six hours. And then finally, they hit every part of the song in the correct manner. And which it's like, is, keep, that, keep that take. Yes, which is why this album is a bit of an anomaly, because they don't have a ton.
ton of out. They don't have a ton of songs like, "Hey, let's revisit." Remember that song that we played? Right. They don't have a ton of that. And uh, Mick said that uh, the thing was is that he, there, there were a lot of like half form tracks, like, "Hey, remember this?" But they had a groove, and that's their thing. They they lay down a groove, like Keith comes up with a riff, and or Ronnie comes up with a bass line or whatever, and then Mick kind of like moans over it like but with no with, like with no, no with no yeah just like duh, my mind, I do but I right, feel it out it's scat almost yeah and then they decide okay let's go this way and then like and then they, they don't really write the, they're almost like rappers they don't really well, write the it, lyrics it gets back to a point you made comparing the stones of the Beatles the Beatles were a little more mathematical or uh, systematic in their approach and Whereas it sounds like the the Stones are very feel, which is actually I'm a huge blues fan. Yeah, and so it, that's more the blues in my opinion. And I mean, like you know, I I play the part sometimes when I'm with Baron, but like, I, dude, I love the Beatles. I mean, like, I yeah, I don't know how you can like music and not well, love the Baron's Beatles. Baron's wrong about the Beatles. Let's well, just say that. I know y'all are friends, and he, I'm friends with Baron too, but he's just wrong. Well, he agrees that Ringo's the best Beatle. So, <laughs> you know, that's all I care about. <laughs> but. The the Beatles have their way, and, and and there are like Beatles outtakes that are ten times better. You, I have a, I have this album that was released between Let It Be and uh, uh, uh between Abbey Road and Let It Be, and it has Rain on it. Mm-hmm. It's the best Beatles album there is, and it was not an album, and, and like and it was, uh, I don't even know what it's called. But it's better than almost any album they have. Is there any stones out there? And to reiterate to folks, yeah, Tattoo You, again, they had to go on tour very quickly. And they didn't have time to make a new album. Mick and Keith hated each other for whatever reason. So the one, I can't remember the producer's name. He started looking into the... It's like Andy Johns or somebody. Yeah, one of those guys. Looked into the vault and was like, okay, we actually we have do have some gems and, here from and they do, the 70s. I mean, yeah, and... And some of these go back as far as Goat's Head Soup. Right. And, like, Slave is from... Uh, Slave and Lil TNA, I think, are from the Black and Blue era. Yeah. And, uh, actually, there's, like, two or three of them that are from the uh, from Emotional Rescue. Right. Um, which is, like, just a couple years before. Um, but they, you know... But let me ask you, is there any... Because they do these tours that sell out, obviously, but is there a live Stones track that you prefer to the studio? No. Right. It's, it's no, there's point. no, there's there's not a like, dude. You got to hear this. Whereas, like with Zeppelin, for instance, the the live tracks are usually incredible, if not superior. I actually have a, a the the guy that really introduced me to the Stones and Bruce Springsteen and a lot of other people. He's like three or four years old with me in college. One of my best friends who's in my wedding, um, and so he sent me a, but a, he might be a little bit retrograde. <laughs> so instead of sending me. Uh, you know, a vinyl album for Christmas. He sent me a CD, DVD of the Stones. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't Macamo. It's like, uh, they're somewhere in London. And uh, it's the, the tracks are the same, but, you know, one is the sound, one's the one's the picture. Um, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, like, I, and I mean, I, I understand that, like, sometimes the live versus the studio can't live up. Sure. But it's supposed to be, like, a, you know, like... 
There it should, should be at least like, be a different thing. Yeah, there should. Yeah, there should be like a thing there, right? Right. It should be awesome. Yeah, I actually felt that. What's the one they came out with? Do, the concert documentary or the concert movie? Was, was it Shine a Light or? Yeah. And yeah, I remember watching it good. and being very disappointed. Is that the one that Scorsese did? I believe so. And I remember no, the Scorsese one. It, well, it's called Crossfire Hurricane. Okay. And I remember like two or three friends of mine were like, "Dude, this." And I was like. Mm. Wasn't that good? So the Stones were almost a weird thing. We keep saying, and you said this. A lot of their fans are highly critical. They're they are they're not like that proficient in terms of musicianship, but they are. I mean, Mick does have that ear for something that'll be a good hook, and same thing with Keith with the riffs. They they have and something there. And so like so, what I think is the 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 MVP of the Stones since some girls is Ron Wood. Yes, because. They would have broken up, and they they hired Ron Wood, and they made him a stone. Like, so the big thing is, is that like, you know, if you're a stone, you get a share, and if you're a session musician, you get you know you get nothing because Mick went to the London School of Economics. You we'll know, give like, you a flat rate to yeah. tour with us and play a few. Well, sessions. like when Wyman quit, Wyman quit between um, Steel Wheels and Voodoo Lounge. And they, didn't, they they brought in Daryl Jones. Daryl Jones is the basis. Daryl Jones has been the basis for the Rolling Stones. I think for longer than Wyman has. Never got a never got a share. Right. No, that's smart on their part. Well, it is because well, in the music industry, it's all that publishing money. I, and it's all the you know, songwriter credit. I'm gonna guess that. Daryl Jones is doing okay. I'd imagine so. Yeah. I mean, oh, what a terrible life. You get to play and awful. create music with the yeah. Rolling Stones and tour around the world with right. them. I mean, yeah, I think he'll be fine. And that's one thing that is remarkable about rock and roll history, all the breakups and, like, how could you not keep it together? You're and living a life hardly anybody gets to live. And the thing is, there's, I mean, the main part of the band is still together. That you know? is unreal. I mean, from... Fifty-five years ago now, I went. I went to the fortieth tour concert in two thousand two in Atlanta. So that's two thousand two. It's so it's seventeen years later. So yeah, we're close to fifty. Still going, and I'm trying to think now of bands that are still together for and that amount of time. Supposed to be coming out on the new album. Uh, the only band that comes to mind that is still together, uh, and I think I think they did their last. Well. Rush comes to mind. Yeah, they stuck that's together way for a after, long. That's way after the Stones. I mean, right, exactly. Tenure, they're know? they're way behind. They got a few more decades to go. I mean, yeah, I'm not thinking of any bands that. I mean, I guess Kiss is still doing yeah. their thing. Well, so the way. weird thing is, is that so this album is like kind of it's 81, so it's 37 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I was four when this came out, and you were negative seven. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and this is another comeback album. So 77 was, 77 was the first comeback album. Then this was another comeback album. And then 89 is Steel Wheels, and that's a comeback album. And then Voodoo Lounge was like a weird hit, but like it was in that grunge era, and like, like we talked about, like nobody really like thought of it as this, you know... Like a, like a thing. I think we're touching on something here. The Rolling Stones are almost like this living, walking paradox. Like, what well, demon did they make a deal with? They're they're a lot like Tom Petty in that they're just the soundtrack to your life. Right. Like, you may not love them. But they're there. Or even Prince. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, 
you might even be a fan. You might even be like, I mean, like I was almost 20 years ago. Like, I couldn't come up with what the song was. And I asked my sister who's older than me, and she was like, oh, that's Miss You. And right. like bought me, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's almost like, there's the background of your life. Yeah, which they're is, just always there. I was trying to find that. Clip. Yeah, and, there, and there's great. There's a there's a clip is out there, there really? of Prince at a, like in Europe somewhere. I think almost. I think it's Amsterdam, uh, where he's doing an after show that was filmed for a documentary, and Ron Woods on stage with him playing Prince's light blue cloud guitar, and Prince is doing an impersonation of Mick Jagger singing <laughs> "Miss You," and it's awesome. They're both tiny. Yeah, and he's and he's getting into it. He's doing the full main. Oh my god! Yeah, it's you awesome. I gotta, I'll find it for you. I couldn't find it on the fly, but I don't know. As I'm coming back to tattoo you here, it it really is considered, I think, the last great album. Um, well, it, it's one of those things that like it depends on who you talk to, right? Um, of course, it's all subjective. Yeah, well, but like I said, well, yes, I think this is the last great album of the. Real, you know, of the classic Stones lineup without Brian Jones, because thank God we haven't talked about Brian Jones. <laughs> Brian Jones is awful. Um, but then, so this is '81. Mm-hmm. So the next real good album they put out, or like the next like comeback album, was '89. Right. Which is like a long time in the Very '80s. Like, I mean, they put out Undercover. They put out Dirty Work. If you ever want to torture yourself, listen. Dirty Work is li- like I. <laughs> I can defend everything about the Stones. I cannot defend Dirty Work. There's one okay song. It's, it's okay. There's a weird thing too, and it's I think what's so interesting and mysterious about rock and roll. Like a lot of these bands are living off the fumes of their past selves, and then occasionally that magic, that lightning in a bottle, comes back, and then it goes away. Well, and it's like, what is it? Like I, I went through this, listened to Aerosmith's catalog. It's like, what happened to those guys? And then they, oh, they they found it there for that song. Well, I think the thing about the Stones is, is that they like they. So if you, when we concepted this, it was like let's talk about Tattoo U versus Voodoo Lines versus Bridges because we couldn't decide because you could make a really good album, you make a really good eleven track album. Right. Out of Voodoo and Bridges. So, like, click over to Voodoo and, like, so let's figure this out. Okay. It's uh, it's the worst. It's out of tears. Blinded by rainbows. Through and through. Yes. So there's four from, from Voodoo. Four right there. And then Bridges, we're going to go with, uh, I don't, yeah, we're not going to get there. Um, <laughs> it's Saint of Me. It's five. Thief in the Night. Yes. So you can get, but you, six tracks, seven, six, seven. But I mean, if, so okay. So if you throw on anybody see my baby, and you throw, so you throw on some like, uh, you know, uh, you know some of the things that they had a different record company. You could get ten, mate. Right. So you could get click back to Voodoo Lounge. You could get to um, Love Is Strong. You got me rocking. So that gets ten. Um, I'd throw like new faces in there. It's yeah, a weird sounding track. Yeah. It's it's fun. But here's the thing. Like, can you imagine if in nineteen ninety six they came out with a ten track mm. forty eight minute album. They'd done like the Michael Jackson thing and waited like several years and just and been writing just, the whole time. You know. And it was those? It I mean, would have been great. 
You know what the funny thing, though, is? We wouldn't have charted any higher. Because, <laughs> right. I, you know what I mean? Like, both right. these albums charted, and, like, I remember, I'm a, like, I'm a lifelong subscriber to Rolling Stone. And Rolling Stone gave both of these albums, like, top billing. <laughs> I mean, like, and I just remember being, like, even Bridges, where I was, like, into the Stones at that point, I was like, I mean, this isn't going to be any good. You know? And it was to CD, so like you could skip like all the stuff. Right. I'm I'm of that generation, dude. It's next, next, and making my own. That now it's weird how that's gone away. I used to make mix CDs all day, every day. Oh my god! And yeah. And now it's all on my phone and Bluetooth. But I almost miss, and I also miss the fact that I actually had to go into Windows Explorer <laughs> and I would build, <laughs> I would build up my own library and organize it. And LimeWire. Yeah, like yeah, and you're. Pirating music and all. Kazaa. I remember, like, the, I, I literally remember the first time that, that, like, I encountered Napster. Yeah. At like with a with a fast internet speed, and I was like, "This is amazing." It, I mean, it was basically like, I mean, it was like a caveman discovering Spotify. Well, and as know? I like, got into college, it turned said into everything a, you wanted. Like I, well, I was a little after Napster when I discovered so LimeWire and Kazaa and some of those, and then those got kind of cracked down on or just suspect. Yeah. Um, and then as I got into college, torrenting came up, so BitTorrent. Right. Oh yeah. And I'm like, I BitTorrent. I hope I don't get arrested for this or fine, but I BitTorrent like Prince's the work, which is I don't know, like the ultimate bootleg set. Right. And you're talking hours and hours and hours. Some of it's crap. Some of it's it's what's now being reissued and remastered. Well, the, the crazy thing about Napster was is that like there were things that you'd read about that were like B sides or you know were English you know England issue UK issues only, and you could be like you know hey you could pull up the Pixies you know UK Surf Edition, right? And just download it. You know, like you'd the heard about it. It had been written in magazines for like ten years, and like suddenly. And the funny thing is, is like as accessible as everything is on Spotify, like you don't have everything no. like that. No, there's still I mean, those licensing you know, walls, and and that is what's nuts. Just in general, we get real macro here. It's like you would hear tale of like I had one guy point this out to me. He's a big fan of classical music. He's he's such a nerd for classic music that he became a fan, and he's such a Catholic. He became a fan of, like, Gregorian chants and stuff like that, which, good luck finding that music, number one, performed. Uh, but now, with, like, the Internet, oh, yeah, that obscure piece of music from 500 years ago, here's a group performing that and doing the best they can. It, it, you can find almost anything now and put it together. It's almost like, and it applies beyond just music. Like, I wonder yeah. if... Tape trading and sort of the bootleg market isn't ever going to be what it once was because you don't have to put in the same amount of effort. It'll well, be out. Pirating will be strong, but think, it won't I be the same. Yeah, I, mean, I think it depends on the band, you know. Oh, yeah, and the legend. Yeah, and I mean, like, Fish is still, you know. They do, well, especially if they're doing a live show every night, every other night, and it's different each time. But it's funny because, like, you know, Weezer's came out with their album of covers or whatever. And, um, the Teal album, yeah. And they also just dropped the Black album, which is their new original songs. And it's, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. But I remember about Napster, like, here, Michael and Carly was only, like, was only available on, I think, the Mallrat soundtrack. <laughs> So you had to buy them, you know what I mean? Right. And, like, I'd always heard that, like, it was this great song, and, like, just 
punch it up on Napster one night and like we were able to listen to it. It's almost know? too easy. It's only, you or, gotta, oh, sorry. I'm thinking about Suzanne. Suzanne is the song. Michael and Carl is a song that they made for two of their fans that got run over or whatever. But, I mean, you know, same thing. But that's, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's where I can go, oh, I've never, I've always heard about Kiss, but I've never really sat down and listened to Kiss. So let me pull up Spotify or iTunes or whatever. I'll just listen to the discography straight there's through. A, there's definitely a thing about that. I I've mean, never listened like, to Iron Maiden. I'm just going to listen, I'm going to listen before Bruce Dickinson. And then, like, it's... And it's awesome. You can almost jump into a whole world. And it's weird to me though, too, because like I come at like I mean, like Iron Maiden. I remember like I was like six or seven, and we live on a military base, and we had MTV, and so like they were on like the Friday night video fight, and my brother and his friends were like big into Maiden. You know, yeah. he's like four years older than me, so he's like ten. You know. And I and I mean I literally still remember I don't remember the name of the song but like I like I could sing you the intro right you know like just because of that um, so it's interesting like same thing with the Stones like it's interesting that like I came at them as like a legacy band and then realized that they weren't but then realized that like the current stuff may not be you know it's like not the same the best, thing you know they don't quite have that same lightning in a bottle I just real quick though we yeah, only have like a minute yeah. left. I just have to say, again, this B-side on Tattoo uh, You, yeah. you go from Worried About You it. and Tops. Tops, which you said off air, is, is like, it's like a porn producer coming on to a lady. And just, just listen to that. It's just the great... And then... Well, and I think I know it. Every man is the same, has the same Step come on. Step on the ladder. Toe in the pool. I mean, you're such a natural. <laughs> you don't need... I mean, we should do like another hour on just this album. But then, and they close with Waiting on a Friend. Waiting on a Friend is probably one of their... It's one of their best songs. It's iconic. It's, uh... The, I just learned this today. In the music video, the apartment complex is the apartment complex on the cover of Zeppelin's that's Physical ban- Graffiti. That's bananas. Was that, was that on purpose? I don't know. It I don't ha- think it was. I think it was. It may have been on purpose. You don't come off it. You don't do that. Not You know what I mean? And by the way, if you're looking for a bedroom song, Heaven... My goodness, what a crazy, sultry song. No use in crying's a but, and, kind of weepy. And, and, and Waiting on a Friend is just one of those things that, like, you can think it's not your favorite Stone song. So good, though. And it will knock you out. Well, and it goes along with I love also if you really want to be my friend. So those two just pair together so well. And look at this. We're out of time. We just had fun talking tonight. This is awesome. Thanks, Joey. I appreciate it, Dave. And appreciate y'all listening.